Thank you for joining Inside the Room with myself, State Representative Brandon McGee, where we discuss politics, leadership, and culture. In this week's episode, we will discuss the need for affordable and sustainable housing in marginalized communities, along with supportive services that aim to provide the right to counsel, which simply means people deserve folks to represent them uh, when they are faced with challenging times in housing court, as well as eviction protections laws. By the way, I am a huge proponent and believer that investment is needed in our communities, communities of color. So join me, join me in gathering people from all walks of life to step inside the room in efforts to gain perspective on how we can educate and uplift our communities. Now, you know, every week, that we've been coming to you. It's been about seven weeks, can y'all believe it? Seven weeks of bringing you inside the room to discuss very important issues. Uh, and every week we uh, start off our segments, our episodes with a quote that is poignant to the conversation uh, and it provides a bit more framing on what it is that we will discuss. And so one that I feel that is really important uh, and that I'd love to share with you all is by the businesswoman and activist Mary Church Terrell. And I quote, the chasm between the principles upon which this government was founded and those which are daily practiced under the protection of the flag yawn so wide and deep. Mary Churchill, and she said that in 1906. What I gather from this particular quote, and this is just my little commentary on what it means to me, and hopefully it'll resonate a little bit more with you. The values of the Republican Party has since changed. Once being the party of a small government-minded or thinking group of people, fiscal responsibility at the forefront of what it is that they do is now or rather have now become the party of disinformation conspiracy theories brought to the forefront of conversations by number 45. so as we dive deeper in today's conversation as many of you are coming around the table inside the room with myself, State Representative Brandon McGee, please keep this quote in mind. And so on today's conversation, we're gonna start off uh, with um, housing. And we know that there's a housing crisis uh, amidst uh, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic that we're all faced with. Policymakers throughout the nation carry this notion of dispersing individuals and families to suburban communities in efforts to solve the overall housing issues. And for those who are listening on Spotify, when I say solve, I'm putting those in quotation marks. Uh, so I want y'all to understand the importance of uh, this idea of coming on your little white horse, coming in and saving folks. Uh, is not what we're here for, but we'll continue to unpack that. Um, but efforts to solve the overall housing issues. 
policy make makers from the Republican Party uh, will always, and some within the Democratic Party as well, will always question the, 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 the funding capacity for which courageous policies seek to address systemic inequalities. No longer can we sit idly aside. Uh, we need community advocates like you, those who are listening uh, to me on, 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 on FUBU Radio or Spotify, or you're sitting in your, your living room and you're watching me on YouTube. Uh, it's, it's people like you uh, who are closest to the problems. And to drive that point home, I'm always reminded of my colleague uh, in the Connecticut General Assembly who says it best. Those closest to the problems are, are, are usually the ones with all of the solutions. Another way we can put this is if you are not at the table, then guess what? You are on the menu. And so as we continue to discuss and focus um, our conversations and our resources on investing and revitalizing these communities uh, to aid in housing stability, I will continue to harp on the importance of providing resources to those community most in need. Um, so as, as the chair of Connecticut's Legislative Committee on, uh, on Housing, there are several policies uh, that we're hearing before the committee, uh, but there are a few in particular that I am uh, leading uh, the conversation on. And those, really quickly, uh, for those of you in Connecticut and hopefully those that are listening throughout this country and you happen to be a policymaker, maybe you can do the same uh, in your community. Uh, obviously, we want to have some space uh, and, and policy recommendations in response to COVID-19 uh, and related protections for tenants and property owners as we continue to experience the impacts, the effects of this pandemic. Uh, another policy uh, that, that I bring forth every single legislative session until it's passed and fully funded uh, is this, this idea of providing justice-impacted individuals with opportunities to live in communities that are thriving and that they too have access uh, to housing. Right now, you have a record, you don't have access. Simple as that. Moving right along. I also want to um, make sure that landlords, I am a landlord, so this applies to myself as well, that landlords are responsible in notifying tenants should their property fall in foreclosure. There have been so many instances where people are showing up to a two family, three family, or even four, and they're seeing literally signs saying the property is in foreclosure and don't know where to go, don't know what to do. And you know, you have a landlord that's not providing simple notice. You know, uh, I just think that's vitally important. Uh, there are so many other policy recommendations that I can share with you, uh, but I, I really wanted to provide those. Uh, and if you're following the news in Connecticut, you'll find that there is a, a very, very, um, let's just say colorful conversation on this idea of addressing affordable housing. Uh, and, you know, I'm of the mindset, let's redefine affordable. What's affordable to you? 
because when you begin talking about affordable housing in some places throughout the state of Connecticut, and I'm sure this is true in other places, it's not so affordable. Uh, and so that conversation continues here in the state of Connecticut. So just slightly transition in a little bit, I wanted to jump into this whole, just woosah just a little bit. You know, sometimes when you're at the kitchen table and definitely inside the room, we have those moments where we have to kind of step back. Y'all remember the conversation with our Karens. I'm gonna move on and talk a little bit about Mr. Cruz, um, Senator Ted Cruz. And my prayers before I even, um, you know, before I even talk about Ted Cruz, please know to all of my, my family in Texas, all of the Texans that have been impacted um, by the devastation, the climate change, if you would, and we're going to talk about that, the impacts of it. Um, my prayers are with you. Um, I'm praying with you. Um, I do want to start off, I was going to end off with this, but I'll do it both at the beginning of this conversation and toward the end. But there are ways for you to help Texans, okay? I want you to quickly, uh, those of you on social media, please use the hashtag love thy neighbor, okay? Love thy neighbor to support the Austin Urban League's effort to raise funds for hotel rooms, shelter, etc. Uh, you can also donate to the Mutual Aid Fund, all right? Venmo, uh, who, where else? Uh, and we'll put this in, in the caption so that you can really get um, where you can send your dollars. And then lastly, uh, you can call um, area code 512-305-4233. Help us spread the word in an effort to support our family and friends there in Texas. But let's kind of pivot and talk about some of these great leaders from Texas. Y'all saw on Twitter, on every social media platform, I know my Twitter was jumping off the hook when Senator Ted Cruz sparked this widespread outrage for flying uh, from Houston to Cancun, Mexico, for a family vacation where he literally blamed his wife and his daughters and her friends. Uh, and y'all know many of, uh, of our fellow Texans, uh, they were basically froze, <laughs> okay, in their homes, sitting by fireplaces, bundled up, huddled up, cuddled up with their families um, because of a historically low uh, temperatures and widespread out, uh, power outages uh, there in Texas. We all know that thousands of Twitter uh, folks posted, they, they, they blasted Cruz for the ill-timed trip that he took. I mean, photos circulated within seconds of this guy at the airport, living his best life, basically. Uh, and I wanna share a few quotes, and then I kinda wanna jump in uh, on this conversation of Texas being the only folks with their own grid. But we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But I quote, and this is Ted Cruz. This is his reasons or excuses uh, for traveling. He says, with school canceled for the week, our girls asked to take a trip with friends. Wanting to be a good dad, I flew down with them last night 
and am flying back this afternoon, Cruz says. He goes on to say the power went out as soon as we were sitting down to dinner. By the second day, he says, we were clustered around the fireplace as the only source of heat, Cruz said. How many of y'all think that's a lie? I think it's a lie. So this indeed uh, was an oversight and a true slap in the face of all of his constituents. And I would dare say the Texans there uh, that remain trapped in their homes with no heat, no electricity, no food, no clean water, nor financial means to abruptly take a freaking trip to Cancun, Mexico. With security, by the way, walking you through the airport. So for me, it's important that we use this space with inside the room and we unpack not just Ted Cruz in the foolery and the shenanigans that he is finding himself in almost weekly, but I, I think it's important that we're educated on what is sort of the background information that has allowed this to happen, okay? So uh, one of the things that I want to unpack uh, which is a real issue here, is the failure of the Texas power grid, okay? There's no, I mean, you, you all have seen the pictures, water literally seeping through the vents, and it, it looks like you're looking outside, but you're inside someone's house, and, and literally everything is frozen, right? Uh, and so what I'd like to do is really explain to you what this is all about, there are, uh, and I had to do my homework on this because I really didn't understand it myself. There are three power grids within the United States, okay? Uh, there's the Western and Eastern power grids in which the entire uh, country utilizes. Hear me when I say. There is the Western and the Eastern power grids the entire country uses, okay? And then there is good old Texas who has its own power grid to avoid government regulations, to avoid, let's say, uh, oversight? Yeah, that's the word, oversight, okay? In 2011, some of the recommendations were to winterize all of their windmills and natural gas, but because of this constant battle, Blaming frozen wind turbines, which some are doing in Texas, is very much besides the point. Texas Grid didn't consider most of the wind as an emergency resource, and much more conventional generation capacity was frozen. Although there are three ways uh, that the power grids in the U.S. procure enough generation capacity to compensate uh, for generator failures, None takes these simultaneously failures into account. So because good old Texas has chosen to do their own thing, it allows for prices for electricities uh, to be bid up at times of scarcity. Okay. Wholesale prices this week. I can't believe it. It literally reached nine bucks for a kilowatt hour, far above their typical three to eight cents per kilowatt. 
Texas feels that the entrepreneurial suppliers will respond to the high price by building more generation. A pretty capitalistic uh, uh, objective, uh, don't you think? We ought to recognize that 2021 isn't a black swan event. We should use what we've learned about why and when. Power plants of all types fail to better prepare. It won't prevent every weather-related blackout, but it sure will help us in times of need. Texas Republican Governor Abbott wants no parts of the Green New Deal. Do you hear me? Wants no parts. And he is unbothered by his comments. Mr. Abbott was on Fox News blaming the wind turbines, which only makes up about 12% of the entire energy production for the state of Texas power outage. The real issue lies within the over-reliance in the natural gas industry and lack of preparedness in winterizing their very energy sources as recommended, catch this, by the U.S. Department of Energy. So one, you, you might be asking, Brandon, what is the Green New Deal and how does it relate to all of what you're talking about when you're talking about or when you speak of Texas. <laughs> I got you covered. When 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 we think of the green new deal, it's basically calling for public policy to address climate change along with achieving other social aims like job creation and reducing economic inequalities. When I think of the Green New Deal, Brandon McGee, come on inside the room if you're just now joining. Um, I think of communities of color who are disproportionately affected by climate change, air pollution, and health disparities due to generations of systemic racism as well as injustice. That's what I think of when we are talking about the Green New Deal. Right. So as we continue to converse on this particular topic, the tr the crux of it is that the government of Texas opposes participation uh, in the Green New Deal led by Mr. Abbott. So while temperatures are continuing to plummet far below freezing water and natural gas froze, cutting off and continue to cut off of the flow from wells, many of our people are hurting. They're in a state of crisis. And a lot of this could have been avoided only if the good place, the good Texans could understand the importance of being a part of everybody else's grid, if you would. And so while I am no scientist, I don't, I do not profess or proclaim to be a guru in energy per preservation and, you know, just, just being an expert on the topic, I do understand the importance of our government being regulated and having some oversight so that we do not experience what we're experiencing on today. And so as we continue to bring information to you, it's important that you know why 
and you know, you know, what's happening, you use your voice, you use your vote. Let's get people like Ted Cruz out of there. Let's get people like Governor Abbott out of there. It is in times like these, people really understand the importance and the power of their vote. And so again, my prayers uh, are with each and every one of you there in Texas. Um, I started off by talking about how to help Texas, and I want to end off how I started. You can make reasonable or sizable donations uh, to um, mutual to a mutual aid fund. Um, and again, we'll drop sort of the names of these accounts and you could kind of, you know, send your dollars to those. Uh, we're also asking that you might use on social media the hashtag love thy neighbor uh, that would support the Austin uh, Urban League efforts to raise funds for hotel rooms, shelter, etc. cetera. Uh, and also you can simply just call if you need a warming center or if you need a place to just lay your head. Uh, area code 512-305-4233. Uh, we are here to help you, even those that's housed or located here in the state of Connecticut. Uh, many of us have family and friends there, uh, and we want to make sure that we're doing what we need to do to support you as well. So again, uh, thank you so much for joining inside the room with yours truly, State Representative Brandon McGee, as we continue to uplift and educate our communities. Until then, peace.